Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely. And a world given back to us, this is Wade here in the podcast studio, joined by my dear friend and colleague, the Reverend Dr. Michael Berg, um, the Reverend Professor Jason Oakland, and our uh, colleague emeritus. Is that how we're supposed to say it, Michael? I've never heard colleague emeritus, but we'll go with it. Um, <laughs> I'll take it. The, uh, the Reverend, the Dr. Mark Brown. Um, who taught here at Wisconsin Lutheran College for years, and one of the courses that he taught um, that Jason now is teaching. Nobody like the Jason, what am I doing I, right now? I like how you kind of qualified that with air quotes. Air quotes, yeah. Yes. Jason is teaching uh, yep. the Genesis course as well. And we are wrapping up our uh, anthropology series looking at the um, beginning of Genesis, now up through the Tower of Babel, and asking what do we learn about human beings, how they relate to God, how they relate to creation, how they relate to each other. We recorded last time a little bit on what we're going to talk about today, but we lost that part um, as part of an unfortunate mistake that one of us made. Um, but we did get the first part, so if you listened to the Drunk Noah episode, you got the first part of what we talked about. We did still plan to record today to finish off discussing the Tower of Babel. Um, so there may be a little crossover with what we did before, but I don't think there will be much we're thankful to Mark for joining us. I think this is his second or third now. Third. Third in this series yeah. that he has been willing to join us for. Um, Let the Bird Fly is a podcast that is part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. Encourage you to check out all that 1517 does. You can go to 1517.org. I was very proud last week. We had, uh, for, the, for the blog devotions that come out, I don't know what we're supposed to, the articles? Um, it was Jason one day, and then the next day was Mike. I'm like, oh, man, this is two days in a row is good. And then the next day was me. Oh, it was yeah. uh, Let the Bird Fly, WLC, uh, represented well. Yeah. So that was uh, kind of fun to see. You can get daily articles, daily devotions there, books. Mike's book is now out over at the Publishing House Free Academy Courses encourage you to check out 1517.org. Um, if you've not noticed, hopefully you have, uh, Jason and I have been doing a Winging It series on our trip to Rome over spring break, Lutherans in Rome. We've we've strung this out to six parts, yes. and we're not even done yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've had one for... It was, it was originally going to be maybe two. Yeah. One. Uh, do, you remember, <laughs> do you remember when people would invite you over with the, the slides of their vacations? And oh, it yes. was just like, yep, I just want to go home. But the thing is, Michael, we're, we're, not, we're not making you take part in it, and no, I guarantee you have not listened. I have not listened. Right. So um, <laughs> if you want to go over and listen to that, you can. We do need to get back to words you know on YouTube, but if you haven't, you can go to YouTube. You can subscribe to us <laughs> and there. We'll, and we'll, we'll schedule a private slideshow for you later, you know, yeah. just so that you can get all nothing, of it. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing worse than, here's, the, uh, some, here's some pictures from my thing that you didn't go to. Isn't yeah. that great? You're invited. <laughs> the uh, Finally, for our last act of self-promotion, Jason and I will be leading an 11-day Germany tour. Um, the Experience the Cradle of the Reformation in May, May 13th through 23rd, 2024. You can go to letthebirdfly.com. In the menu, go to Germany Trip 2024. If I recall, just saw an email this morning. We got some more registrations now coming in. Encourage yep. you, if you're interested in the trip, reach out to us. You can reach us at our college emails. Um, our first name, period, last name, at wlc.edu, or at the podcast email, which is, Michael? Podcast at, at letthebirdfly.com. Let you can also find that on the uh, the website as uh, well. I look, this is this trip is, I'm really proud of you guys for doing it. I look forward to not listening to the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Thank, <preview>. you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. The... Uh, and then finally, uh, we would encourage you, as we've been encouraging, if you've been enjoying the podcast, we got a little bit of a bit, uh, <clears throat> bump in the numbers lately, which has been encouraging, and I think part of that is um, some of you sharing on social media, Facebook and Twitter, um, but also rating, reviewing for us, especially at Apple Podcasts is helpful. Hit the subscribe button. Um, you'll get the podcast as they come out. We really do appreciate it. It helps manipulate the algorithm. Um, so we pop a little bit up, uh, pop up a little bit earlier. It's your, it's your small stuff. way of fighting against AI. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. There if you, you go. don't want AI overlords, subscribe to let the bird fly. 
I think it's pretty direct correlation between those two things. Um, finally, we will have our disclaimer if anybody has it. I got it. Okay, Jason, would you like to go ahead and read that for us in your best preaching voice? This does. This show doesn't oh, speak. Started yep. rough. <coughs> started rough go. out of the gate. Start over. <laughs> I'll start over. This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, our employers. To be honest, much of the time, it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends. And don't let us get in the way. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make, make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is the only beginning of what only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Uh, so far the word of the Lord, that is Genesis 11, 1 through verse 9. And so you gentlemen see on in our, our reorganized, our refurbished, renovated, very stylish studio, Michael, you from somewhere, you got this whiteboard thing. Home yeah. Depot. Home Depot. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we have ideas, things we wanted to talk about in the past. And we did talk about some of these last time, but they did not make it into the episode. So know that these are hovering there should we desire to go there. But I think it um, first it might be helpful, and we didn't do this last time, and it, it might have been good to do, and I'm going to throw it to you guys. And then uh, we got a we got a very nice review the other day, but guess what? This review, like many others, mentioned Wade interrupting <laughs> and tangents. Reviews I, I, either I love have, Wade interrupting I and tangents noticed. or hate them. Yeah. Guess <laughs> guess what they didn't mention? Jason, this guy over here. Yeah. Okay. Huh? Um. I'll have to interrupt more, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm going to do is I want to throw it to you. And maybe the, the first question to frame things. So we, we're looking at Genesis 1 through 11. We're about to move from uh, this kind of like people in general focus uh, to Abraham and the Jews specifically, to which they would have looked back and saw their specific the Hebrews, yeah. genealogy, the Hebrews, yes. Um, why don't we then start with how does chapter 11 fit with what comes before and why close out this section of Genesis perhaps in this way? I can start. I think uh, since we're talking anthropology, I think there's a striking uh, message here that the potential for humanity is, is pretty great. Um, my potential for, for good as one uh, clothed in the righteousness of God in my vocations is, is pretty high. Um, you know, I, I've baptized babies, <laughs> you know. Um, I, my, my, my wife and my mother literally were co-workers with God to create life, right? Um, but 
what should be bone chilling to me and everybody else is that our potential for evil is horrific, is horrific. And so to have this scene where the Holy Trinity is saying, look what they can do, right? There, there is a sense of, of, of potential that they can really mess things up. And coming off of um, the, the, the flood and, and the words of every human being, every inclination of the heart is evil all of the time, the piling up of those terms, uh, sets the stage up then for, as we mentioned before, like the, the piling up of terms in Ephesians chapter 2. You know, say by grace alone, not by works that no one can, you know. Mm-hmm. Not that those were, Paul was thinking about that, but I, I, that's always stuck in my mind, those piling up of terms. As uh, Dr. Brown talked about law and gospel today, this is, uh, this is law without gospel, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And then it's gospel without, as if the law did not exist as we were taught to, taught sure. to preach. And then, and then, one more thing anthropology that has to do with anthropology is the power of words right we're created by words we're created to take god at his word to interact with each other with words and so when god messes us up and resets things uh it's not with an earthquake or her at this time right there he did it with the flood mm-hmm. this time though he's going to do something perhaps even more powerful and that is messed with our words. He will babble us, right? And then, and then the beautiful picture of Pentecost being the undoing of 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 Babel, right? That those are the things that comes to mind in your particular uh, question about why at the end of this, as then we now are going to get into the specific line of the prompt. So he's been there, but now we're going to go. Okay, it goes through this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. Mark or Jason? Um. I'm not Jason. <laughs> you pointed at me. Yeah. Um, I I would say in class that Noah's drunken time added to this story shows that the flood didn't fix anything. And so what is God going to do? He started with two people. It went bad. He got the population down to eight people and intervened or there had been no believers. Um, it's going bad again. And there's this sound of if you can say that God is afraid of us, he was afraid of what he's created, almost like a Frankenstein monster, what have I got here? If he can get away with this, build his tower, and frustrate my will, there's nothing that can stop him. So from the larger narrative perspective, God is going to try a new approach now. He's going to flood this one man, Abraham, with all these promises and call him out of his out of his environment to a new environment and then build through his family um, the vehicle for the, the champion to come into the world. And so, of course, immediately we're thinking, this Abraham must be really special to be picked for this. And then we find out in a different part of the Bible that his father had worshipped idols, so no great past. And the, one of the first things he's recorded doing, which, of course, is hardly ever preached on in, in, in churches, is that he tried to pass his wife off as his sister, and by the way, became quite wealthy because of doing that. Yeah, uh, a lot of my students come from churches where you can't have pancake suppers and you know fundraisers, and you know, and they always point to Abraham said in chapter fourteen, "I'm not going to take any money from the king of Sodom, so no yeah. one can say he made me rich." He kept plenty of stuff from the king of yeah. Egypt yeah. in yeah. chapter twelve. Yeah. Here, take your take your sister and go. And his so, ancestors did too. Yes, as, right. So, or as his, his predecessors, yeah. So sometimes when God acts in different ways, we think that he's changing. But in fact, he's taking a different approach to try to get at the same general fixing or issue that he's after. Descendants, I meant descendants. Yeah, right, yes, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. The, and <clears throat> I think that's a, that, you know, I appreciate the, the plan, you know, that now the flooding this man with promises uh, as opposed to you know flooding the world to wipe yeah. out wipe out the the problem to start over, um, I think too the you know the other thing that you know in some ways this is this is the that point of transition and there are still a couple of details I think that um, you know we're transitioning from that pre flood world and pre flood existence uh, and there are still some things that you know we need to maybe explain or we need to to talk about just a little bit as far as the world in which Abraham will live, which was different than that pre-flood world, the world in which we live, 
um, which is much much more similar to Abraham. And um, I think you see some of that um, being explained by this account too, to say, you know, this helps us understand where some of these, you know, key things come from as far as, you know, our uh, anthropology goes with the idea of language and, and the um, differences between nations and groups and, and things like that. And, and, you know, then the, that drive to spread out. I think that, you know, that to me has always been a fascinating thing, like to see how some of those things, um, you know, how, how you have some of these things going on in the, in the ancient world, you know, people continuing to push boundaries, people also looking at building pretty substantial structures where they go. I, I, I just think that's, there are some fascinating things I think in that that are worth digging into at some point, you know, but uh, it's, you get a chance to see how, okay, there's, there's a little bit, a couple of missing pieces yet to see how do we get from pre-flood Noah stuff to Abraham and what comes after. And I think Babel helps kind of link those things together in a couple of different ways. You, you guys mentioned um, amongst the three of you, it came up with multiple, but Mike specifically meant, or um, Mark, you specifically mentioned two things I think that I'd be curious to get your, your guys' thoughts on. The first is that Abraham's ancestors worshipped idols, right? That his father worshipped idols, which I think connects with what comes before Abraham here. Um, but then the notion also that we are now flooded with promises, which I really like. I had not thought of that before. And so with the first... I'm not going to say, guess what word I'm not going to say, Jason? Lugals. I'm not going to say Lugals, but I'm going to say another one. Um, if we think of this tower and if we think of uh, ancient Near Eastern religious structures and and still many churches, I mean, you go to a medieval cathedral, you're going to see this as well. I, I always think of, of Erfurt um, and all the steps. Is that St. Michael's, I think? That, or all the steps up to the, there's the two churches next to each other in the city center. Right. And the idea of, of ziggurats or... Um, you know, these kind of religious temple buildings and reaching up to heaven, even with, uh, not to get full Led Zeppelin, right, but <laughs> but stairway to heaven, you know. Um, now that I'm getting older and have a bum knee, I, I would I'd much prefer escalator to heaven. But, <laughs> um, but the idea of uh, this inversion of what religion is, rather than God condescending down to us, which he did even, in creation, breathing into Adam, his nostrils, walking with him in the garden, the idea of our climb um, to God. And and that's really what idolatry would have been and what Abraham's father would have been practicing, and, and then likely Abraham, I mean, in his youth, um, trying to manipulate divinity and nature through that. Um, and then the second, with the flood of promises, we see with Abraham, uh, St. Paul, very importantly, especially for us in the Lutheran tradition, calls Abraham the father of faith, of all who believe. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so um, this kind of flooding with promise, and maybe that plays into, as you mentioned, with our first encounter with Abraham, that it's a rough one. Um, and and so this this doubling down on promise, which gets to, I think, what Michael um, brought up, uh, and I think it was very helpful, of word, right? In this, this world of confused language now, Abraham is given a word. And that, that word is what really sets him apart, um, not anything about his specific morality. Um, do you think I'm... So if... Am I wrong in thinking there's this reaction then to this inversion of religion, this, this work righteousness kind of ascend to heaven, or the emphasis on word, I guess what I'm, what I'm partly asking is what is God afraid of by this, right? They're going to reach this tower. Is he like, oh, they're going to storm heaven? God's surely not afraid for himself. He had already dealt with rebellious angels. He can surely deal with rebellious man. What is, what is driving his fear and his concern for his creation? Um, well, I think it's interesting when you look back on the flood and you say that the world was so wicked um, and people have a lot of images of what a wicked world is like. And yet when Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, 
so it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. And he doesn't mention anything wicked. He says people will be eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. In fact, I say to students, actually, most of this stuff happens at church all the time, doesn't it? <laughs> we have potlucks and you get married there. What made that wicked that people ate and drank and married and gave marriage is, is a life totally devoid of God as, as its, its center. And, and that's another sense in which the world hasn't changed because of the flood, because they still want to build a tower that's going to reach up to God. They still want to defy God's will to sp- spread out over the earth and build a name for themselves. I remember not quite knowing how to take that in the story of the Tower of Babel. Did they think literally if they could get up far enough, they could just kind of like Jack and the Beanstalk step over? Yeah. And so for a while we were encouraged to say, don't be so literalistic. They were building skyscrapers. They were building a thing to make a name to themselves. Well, now I'm not so sure they weren't trying to step over. And God isn't afraid of that for his sake. He's afraid of it for their sake. Yeah, and, and, and that's, to me, the, the really interesting part. And, and Mark, you hit on this in your chapel sermon today again, right? That um, You quoted, Walter, that the, the Bible is a terribly confusing book apart from understanding law and gospel. And, and so if we, if we look at the Tower of Babel, we, I think we approach it and primarily normally see law, right? He's confused their language. Um, but if we can speak of gospel motivation on God's behalf, I know we usually speak it about on our behalf when you get the classic wealth sermon on sanctification. Um, but, you know, they're not going to overthrow God. That's just not going to happen. Um, what, what God is, is, it seems to me, in, in good measure, trying to do um, is, is overthrow kind of this, he wants them to have a chance at the gospel. Well, I think, Mark, last time, you, I don't know if this got cut off or not, but you, this stuck with me when you talked about God sending big things sometimes to reset, <laughs> right? The foot is reset, and uh, I, I'll... I'll That's you, better put than I remember saying <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I so in, in uh, Christ and Culture, we're, uh, this, the last book that we read before, uh, the end of the semester here is World Without Mind, and so uh, it's 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 a dated book already, but it does talk about AI and stuff like that. And and uh, just out of a whim, at the end of class, I, I I gave them a discussion question. I said, "So the major hack comes and everything gets totally, you know, all the yeah. banking goes down and yeah, good or bad, right?" And they want to say bad. But then I'm thinking about like Babel and I'm thinking about the flood and maybe it would be good that we yeah. just had this kind of reset and we're like, okay, we, 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 uh, we tried to be like God right mm-hmm. here with, with all of these. And this thing got out of control for us where, I mean, the theory, you know, the problem with AI, not that we're experts in this, but <laughs> is not that it's going to replace humanity. We understand that the human, human beings are different. It's, the inability to control it a little bit, right? And I wonder if, if you know, God looks down at the Tower of Babel and says, they're not going to be able to control this. This is going to ruin them, right? You're not going to put this genie back in the bottle kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, yeah, anyway, that stuck with me, the idea of resetting almost. Well, and there are other even biblical stories about God resetting. I mean, if you had a congregation that was very localized, and so your geography really was important, you would think, to its success. And something, and they build a freeway through it, you'd probably be fighting it all you can. Mm. And yet, you know, you look at Acts 8, where it says everybody except the apostles was scattered because of the persecution that came with Stephen. And you think this is a great disaster. No, they preached the word wherever they went. And they would probably not have done that, certainly not as quickly as, as that. And I think God's resets are not, they don't always make sense to us. And when we try to explain God's thoughts after him, we might very often get it wrong. Um, not to get off the subject, but to try to illustrate it. I watched a movie the other night called On the Edge, the Edge of War. And it's about Neville Chamberlain trying to convince Hitler not to invade the Sudetenlands. And how these two guys who went together to school at, Har- at Oxford, one of them was a loyal Brit and the other was from Germany and had 
fallen into Hitler's under his spell only to reject him. And they were trying to stop this thing. But the way the movie ends is that by convincing Hitler to make that false treaty to save the Sudetenland, it meant that the Allied armies had a chance to kind of tool up enough to be able to fight back. I'd never heard that approach before. I'd always heard that that was just a, a massive failure and Chamberlain was an appeaser and what a wreck mm-hmm. he was. Now, I thought about that and thought, well, you could see that history as being accurate just as Christians, you know, people talk to Christians and say, you guys, you know, someone could die, gets maimed in an accident, you say, thank you, God, you could have, it could have died, that you find this silver lining that isn't even there. The world is just an out-of-control place. And we would say, well, no, it's really not, but we just don't understand all these resets for what, what is going on here. And he was, he was concerned for mankind. What are you going to do with this if you have technology and intelligence and opportunity, but no grace? Um, which is why I think this I mentioned, that, that whenever there was a new, I shouldn't say whenever, like I'm so knowledgeable, when there were times when technology was taking a great step forward, like the landing on the moon, there were always those Christian leaders who said, can we really handle what we're opening up here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, bio, the, the, the biological engineering. You know, we know how to do these things, but should we? Yeah. And I think um, as we go into, like, for lack of a better word, a postmodern world, uh, and it freaks us out, and rightfully so, on, on, on certain things, what, what the postmodern mind, generally speaking, what we can agree with, with with the postmodern mind is modernity promised the world to us and uh, has not delivered, in fact, has often made things worse, mm-hmm. right? So we're, we're, we're sober about this. I'm glad for modern medicine, but there is an opioid epidemic. Yeah. Um, and so I wonder if going forward there will be a little bit more, even though the, the anti-science kind of feel from all spec, all corners of the world is can be uh, a little bit scary. Um, there is maybe a healthy skepticism that we cannot just, through chemistry, biology, psychology, and physics, fix our problems. In fact, we will make them worse. Yeah, and I think yeah. we. Um, I was so when I when I ride my bike, I I have a little speaker so I can hear music because I don't want to have my AirPods in because I I want to hear it if I ever get hit. And um, <laughs> the. Uh, I had Spotify and it was doing its automatic thing and I've been on a Beatles kick lately so it must have decided I needed some John Lennon. Ooh. Um in the uh was it Imagine is that the song where he's like, you know, yep. this world. And I remember listening to it and you know that song always gets used for like inspirational things and I just as you listen I'm going this is just drug-addled enthusiasm. <laughs> this is Schwermerai. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it yeah. you know but it but it <laughs> it goes back to I think and and I might have the wrong take on that song but but it gets back to Adam and Eve fall by enthusiasm. And the small called articles say as much, right? That this is, they want to be like God, but but what is their conception of God that they want to be like him with, right? It, they, they don't want to be like the self-giving Trinitarian God who saves. Um, and now we see with Babel also this, to, to, to reach to heaven, to not need God, to be like God's. And I think that's always the, it's a fascinating thing about human beings that God has made us curious and creative. And that's a marvelous thing. And we, we're, we've done some marvelous things. Um, children get healed of something and we rejoice. Um, we avert some disaster that in the past would have just wreaked havoc on a society. Um, or at least we lessen the, the, the havoc it does. Um, and, that's, and that's great. But that same thing since the fall can get turned as you're getting at with where if we don't step back and go, well, what are we going to do with this? And and I think what makes um, what makes these things particularly dangerous in our day, and and this I've been thinking about this, and this is maybe maybe I'm projecting this unfairly onto that song even. Is it's um, it wants to be like God without doing metaphysics. Um, it. It, it's not able to move outside of itself. And so how it sees what it is to be like God or what can be done, our horizons, becomes a use of technology that doesn't account for 
questions um, that go beyond the material mm-hmm. and the, I would say, even the immediate future. There was a guy who had been at Google working at AI, and there was a news article yesterday. Now he quit, and, and he's warning about it, but he said, we knew it might become smarter than us, but we thought that was 30 or 50 years away. But now you know, I know that the, I think that that's not true because I quit. Well, wait, you were okay with that being 30 to 50 years away? <laughs> so you were okay passing it on to like to be your, our oil, be our grandkids' problem when they have AI overlords, but not us. So now that it might be us, your concern? Mm. It sounds like when Hezekiah was enter- entertaining <laughs> yeah. all the Babylonian yeah. envoys and. Isaiah says, they're all going to come and take all that stuff. And he says, well, not during my lifetime, yeah. which is how I felt sometimes at faculty meetings <laughs> these last few years, I must say. <laughs> not during my lifetime. Yeah. Um, and I, I, so I don't know if that makes sense, but well, I, I think, think it, I think it does make sense in that, you know, this, and I think this kind of ties back to some of the, you know, it's that whole, you know, um, mankind turned in on itself idea, right? You know, that you take, there's so many of these good things and, and, and yet it, we, bend them back and pervert them since the fall and and miss out on some of those type of things. And I think that, that that's one of the things that you see going here too and that idea of, um, you know, what what God has or what God is trying to protect us, protect people from, you know, with this thing in Babel. And, that, and I think that, you know, and it, it, we got into some of the, like, city things and, and, you know, environment things there. I think you know, that idea of having these people, you know, turned in upon themselves with all these different things, trying to accomplish all these great things, becoming almost intoxicated with their abilities and potential and, you know, working together apart from, you know, I I think that's part of what you see, right? I mean, and that that's all of that, I think, ties into... You know, and kind of the stuff that you're saying there. Let me read real quick just the lyrics of that song, and I'll, so maybe you'll get what I'm, why this especially drove this home for me. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for, and no religion too. It's interesting those are connected. Um, imagine all the people living life in peace, which we would take as a metaphysical term, but here's, well, what is peace? You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us, and the world will be as one. Can you just imagine them baking the bricks as they sing this? <laughs> imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger. A brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. You may say I'm a dreamer. I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us, and the world will live as one. Imagine singing that song while your grandpa dies. Well, you know, there is a true story that one of Lennon's companions said to him, imagine no possessions. You, John, really? And he said, it's just a song. (laughs) I would not look for sincerity or truth from anything John Lennon is quoted as saying. I think he is, if anything, his present status of sainthood has been largely accomplished by a tremendous Yoko Ono publicity campaign. Um, I mean, I'm a big Beatles fan for music, but he was one nasty human being. And so what conception would he have of God, except that, you know, everything that I don't like isn't going to bother me. And of course, the number one thing that all of them hated was the uh, scandal of particularity about Christianity. They couldn't believe that it was just in one one individual or one way. And that it gets at, I think, um, what is in our time today i don't even want to say our culture because i don't think it's unique just our culture but in our time what's like if we're being honest what's one of the things people get most upset with god over it's not really wars of religion it's it's not even suffering most people are mad um at god because he gets in the way um of them being what they think they should be which is almost always an unattainable thing to begin with um it, it's it's anger at their being creator and a creator who then gets in the way of the material now. And I would say it's only something that could be produced coming out of an age of abundance um, where people are able to view the now as something that they would want to perpetuate or double down on. I know, Michael, a few episodes you said um, this is this is we have trouble in the West, like, well, why is, 
why isn't God, you know, what, uh, with vengeance or with justice, right? He's being too harsh or something. But the person in the third world can have a very different take or the subsistence farmer um, has a very different view on what the problems or trials of life are. I'll stop with that. Now, I just, I think it's interesting to me that, that I mean, there's there's enthusiasm behind both the fall and then what they're De- trying to define do. Define enthusiasm for our listeners real quick. So, you know, Luther would call it schwermerei. Um, it's, Jason, you know, mentioned the inward turn. Um, it's, it is, I would. God, gonna, in, God in us. Okay. Yeah, and I would go beyond, you know, usually it would be, Enthusiasm is trusting your feelings above the external word. But I would go above that even to enthusiasm is um, the, it is wanting to be a self-creative being. Like trusting yourself beyond the word of not being under it. And to be under words in a biblical sense to me is to be under creative words. Um, which is why we have so many fights about words in our own day because we know the power of words. And this is one thing I would give. Um, I would say that the woke people, if we're going to use that, which um, there's woke people on the right and on the left. Um, but when people sometimes say words are violence, I laugh at that to a degree because I'm sorry, you're, you're overreacting. But what they're getting at is the power of words. Right. And so enthusiasm is to want to be, I would say, above God's word, but even in a certain sense, above it's, the metaphysical. It's, it's trusting yourself rather than trusting in God. If, I have to, if God is the one who creates me and his word is going to be put down upon me in a certain sense, I don't mean that necessarily negatively, but his word is above us and, and does something to us, right? His word does Makes something claims to us. on us claims on us it's the power to save all this kind of stuff it it is going to create reality and create truth god god's word is and um then you have to trust that and you have to trust with your eardrums and not your eyeballs your you know and 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 that is again the part problem of babel is we want to have our own creative word we want to have our own we want to trust ourselves which which goes back a whole lot earlier in Genesis too, right? I mean, this is the wanting to be like God, wanting to be God, that whole, I mean, and selfishness being at the hardened core of sinful nature, right? I mean, yeah. that, that's, that's... At least the people at Babel built something. You right, know? At right, least, yeah. At least they had a plan. Yep, yep, yep <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I mean, you see how, you see what a, you know, terrible effect that can have and, and the consequences that can come. And I mean, not just in Babel, but I mean, you look around the world today and you see some of those things and it's and, scary. And, I, and I, now I'm probably going way afield, so I'm going to stop right after this. I'm going to try to, I'm going to mute myself, but I think also we see... Does somebody in, need to interrupt him? <laughs> we see a very modern thing happening with community here too. Um, I would say the scriptures most often tie community to, to history. Um, in the Old Testament, you have that, that we're just always hearkening back to the patriarchs, to the forefathers, you're part of a tribe. Um, you're part of community. Christ comes, creates a church. It's ecclesia. It's gathering community. It doesn't take long for the church to remember the prophets and the apostles and those who have gone before. Christ comes in history. But what we see with Babel as well is new community. They're supposed to spread out. right? They're supposed to be the sons of Noah, and they multiply and they fill the earth. And there's this coming together in new community for a new task, which is to make a name for ourselves, um, to you know, make a tower that will reach to heaven. We're going to have uh, technology toward that goal. And I would say in our own day in America, we're, we're reaping what we've sown with our, our, our disregard for history. As a new country, we've always been very future-oriented. It's better to be young than to be old. Um, <coughs> we, uh, you know, there's this... Um, Every, everything's new, we're going to be new. And, and so um, as we've, we've seen people unmoored from their history, from their past, from their ties, now this, this, this new creative word people want to have for themselves, it's bad enough that it's not communal. I mean, think about, I mean, fascism was all about new community, right? We're going to define community in this way. It's, it's, it's not communal, so I, but, but even worse it's hyper-individual. Um, it leaves one entirely under themselves, and maybe in that way that's even 
more terrifying for the individual than what happened at Babel um, to be alone in the world as God, who is not really God, has to be um, about as as unsettling a fate as we can have. And it may work for a while. When life is going well, these things may work for a while. Uh, but it, it doesn't last. Whatever they had success they had had at Babel, it wouldn't have lasted. right? It wouldn't have been um, eternal. And I'll stop there and mute. Well, I think the story of Babel really teaches us to be skeptical of the of human progress. And, and you know, this is, I think we find ourselves, we find ourselves actually buying into it more than we ought to. You know, the church is getting better because we have, we can reach everybody by email. And, you know, we have such nice, beautiful buildings now. But I think what we see repeatedly in people who have great trust in, human progress and growth is this great disappointment that they don't turn out to use this that way at all. There was actually a song in my era called, Come on, people, smile on your brother. Everybody get together, try to love one another right now. And I think that when I read and hear about stories of people who so berate and and bully total strangers using this wonderful creation of the Internet, you know, to use it for just unbelievably cruel and vile activity. Why do, we, why do we ever think that this new technology is going to make us better people? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you see ugly things. And yep, that's and even a further move, as you mentioned with the song, um, and, and think what someone will about kind of the, the, the 60s movements. They were communal. Oh, yeah. Right? You know, um, and, you, and you look at how that's been taken now, and part of this is probably the Internet dividing us um but so you had kind of this we're going to have a new eden but at least it's communal Mm. to now everyone is supposed to be their own new eden um and uh in this and i I, the reason i just keep coming back to it is because the it is language it is words um that is the the primary issue in our day uh, of um and it's just fascinating to me uh michael and jason get us back on track one of you you can um, yeah, I think that's one we should maybe talk language. If we're talking Babel, we should maybe talk language a bit more specifically, um, in the idea of, you know, that is the big consequence coming out here and how, um, you know, what a devastating thing that is, you know, for, uh, human beings in the sense of, you know, now you have lines that are drawn right um that that are not easily crossed um by uh, except by a lot of work to overcome that barrier right uh and you know just think of the think of the the consequences of that and how you know i mean some of those might have been very close relation even that um you know maybe not you know brother to brother type of thing but i mean you're probably not that far removed and now this cousin or whatever that you had that you could talk to is now, you know, completely unable to understand what you're going for, what they're going for, and um, and what that means then for, you know, us as human beings going forward, and and the the challenge that that brings. I mean, and and again, God has purpose for some of that, but also that the barriers that some of those things are. I don't know. I know. I know. We wanted to talk a little more language stuff. I. I don't know where you guys want to well, go we, from we, there, but our uh, last episode—I don't know if that was produced yet or going to be later—we did talk a little bit of, about this with the Bennett Law. Well, oh yeah, that did come out. Yeah, on so Thursday. I, yep. well, we talked days. about like we who had to learn languages or whatever find a certain amount of delight in yep. translating stuff or whatever, but just think about how much time we wasted, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and how much confusion there is, yep. and how much still there confusion is, and and we you know we we talked about uh, Dr. Brown. We talked about. Can the gospel can the gospel be translated from German to English? It was actually a legitimate question. The answer is yes, but not without a little explanation uh, for people who are used to one language to go to another. Uh, this is just think about what what problems we have because of the the babbling of our the babbling of our language, and then the solution right is going to be language specifically the language of Christ. So, are you watching the clock? You said another point I think we shouldn't pass, and that is the flooding of 
Abraham and his descendants with yeah. promises. Yeah. Um, he floods him with promises, and you watch those promises through the rest of the patriarchal narrative. God repeats them sometimes when people, when the patriarchs have behaved at their absolute worst um, and keeps reassuring them this is what he's going to do. And um, I don't think I convinced many of my students, but a lot of us learned Genesis stories as isolated individual episodes. And some of them are good examples and some of them are bad. Isn't Abraham a wonderful guy to let Lot go first? But some commentators say, no, this is a kind of like a television show where every episode has a cliffhanger. And you're done saying, what is going to happen here now? Abraham gets a lot of promises. He tries to pass his wife off as his sister. As reprehensible as that is in any other marriage, he just promised that he was going to bless the world through you know, the, the, the child that would be born to, to Sarah. God has to step in and has to send some sort of wretched disease to protect him. Abraham gives the land to Lot. You could say, well, isn't he a wonderful, generous guy? What business did he have of giving away any of the land to his nephew when the promise was given to him? And so again and again and again, Abraham rescues, or God rescues Abraham from himself until finally his final exam is when God says, go sacrifice your son. He has no uh, better ideas at all. I will do it. I will set my face to do this. He probably didn't even tell Sarah where he was going that day because God said, I'm going to do this. And uh, I think that makes some of those stories look a little different than if they, you know, Luther always complained that, often complained that the stories of the Bible are turned into hero stories and object lessons and stories of the saints and they miss the gospel. That can happen with us too as we go through the Old Testament. Right. And, and I think um, I really like that rescue from self image. And if we're thinking Luther in language, right, Luther often will use verlas and you abandon yourself upon God, you surrender yourself. Not in like a bad American evangelical praise song sort of way, you know, <laughs> uh, but in a, you have to, you despair of yourself, you give up on yourself, and. Uh, that you have nothing, nothing else to grab hold right. of, and so you're forced to right. abandon yourself entirely into the promises of God. And That's I think, it. yeah. I think That's people it. are often looking for contact points for preaching. Um, and so we oftentimes come up with doing really hokey, kind of stupid things. Um, but I think here a good contact point is um, that the, what the gospel is, is in one image for it, is, is rescue from self. Mm-hmm. And I think we live in a day where many people, whether they realize it or not, are struggling under the tyranny of self. Um, and... This is something uh, that the gospel calls people out of. Uh, all of the all of the struggling we're doing for who are we, how do I become who I want to be, um, what 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 makes my identity what it is? Is it the truck I drive or the sports I follow or you name it? Uh, these 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 things and and. I'm not bashing capitalism. I like my iPhone, but it only exacerbates it when it sells things. Like, you'll have an ad that's just a total appeal to like, you'll be like, look how happy you'll be, and a grandma's holding a baby, and a sunrise, buy a Ford, and you're like, what does that have to do with, <laughs> with that? But everything is is promising self fulfillment, and uh, the gospel, with words, uh, as with. Abraham again and again calls us out of self and into Christ. And this is where we get baptismal, I suppose. But. I'll give you an unusual story. We'll see if anybody complains. Here's a joke of a seven-year-old girl who's asked what she wants for her birthday. And she said that she wanted um, a, a brand of feminine napkin. And they said to her... I'm already guaranteeing one email. What? <laughs> what? Why would you ever ask for that? And she says, well, I saw this on television. If you have this, you can go swimming. You can play tennis. You can have all this fun with your friends. So I want that for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is, I think, how... Um, the power of marketing. Yeah and, yeah. and already we see then with Babel, these baked bricks, this temple, these things are going to make us... That we're going to self-realize here as a community at Babel, but uh, but I wonder how well we sometimes what what I see instead sometimes happening in the church is we're trying to appeal to self. We're trying to persuade the self. We're trying to promise a better self. Um, 
and and all that is 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 feeding in it's it's like advertising meth because it's it's better than heroin you know it's it's like saying well the world has made you all these promises and look you know that that's not good but find your true self here well no die here and rise and i think uh we we mentioned technology and and, and you get to transhumanism and all these hopes of living forever. It's what Babel wants. It wants forever here. It doesn't want to die. It, it wants a a present. Um, there, there's no, I mean, the whole world was just flooded. You think they would be like, okay, death is a problem. And it death's forgotten. And uh, this, is, this is a good segue into what we want to do next, we'll, uh, which is how we look at ourselves, right? And so start l- which I want to do for a few months now at the end. We'll keep going on this, which is great, this anthropology kick. But am I a consumer? Am I a student? Am I all these things? And they all are fine somewhat, but they all can lead down a pretty pretty bad pathway. Um, and, and then to see that I'm being malformed, your example of marketers malforming me. Yeah. Um, but there, that, you know, Consumerism is not the only thing, the only, the only false narrative of right. what a human being is mm-hmm. that malforms me, and I think the 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 final end is uh, death and resurrection, right? And baptism, right? My identity comes from that. So I think you have to teach, right? Yeah, yeah and I apologize for getting so. No, to me, tr- there's it's just interesting as we. Yeah. As you we tried for a while to right. be polite. Yeah. It right. was good for the first. I will say this. I didn't interrupt for the most part. In fact, I muted myself and waited till I heard a pause. Very good. Because that is a fair courtesy. I listen back when I produce. I want listeners to know, I produce this, and then I listen back, and I go, I should have let them talk. Well, we're we're all fully, thoroughly embarrassed of ourselves. We're not proud of this. All right. Um, Well, we thank you for listening. We We should maybe make clear, too, that we're not sponsored by meth or heroin (laughs) or any feminine products. Yeah, no feminine products for us. (laughs) The... uh, <laughs> we uh we do thank you for listening. Uh, hopefully, you got something out of the anthropology series. If this is where you're jumping in, we hope you will go back and give it a listen. You can find all of that at letthebirdfly.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do subscribe, rate, review. We really appreciate it. As I've been reminding you, I will remind you today, we are still in the Easter season. He is risen. Our Jesus lives, and we have died to sin and risen with him uh, to live in his righteousness by faith. And so that makes today, like every day, a great day to let the bird fly. Uh, every evening when the sun goes down, get with my party and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk, I'm just a tank. I said, I'm up another round.